Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Murder in Bighorn investigates the disappearances and possible murders of a group of Native American women in rural Montana. Within the last decade, dozens of young indigenous women and girls from the Crow and Northern Cheyenne nations have been murdered or have gone missing from Bighorn County and its surrounding area. Arrests are rare in these cases and convictions virtually non-existent. When grieving Native families press law enforcement for answers, they are met with either indifference or silence. Today I'm joined by the director and producer behind Murder in Bighorn, Rizal Benali and Matthew Galkin. You can currently watch the first episode on Showtime. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Thank you both so much for taking the time to do this today. Um, I just want to start out by saying I was really nervous about this particular film. Um, A lot of true crime can fall into what's almost exploitation, where you feel like the larger issue that should be at hand is forgotten in the sort of and a romanticization almost of a story that it becomes kind of difficult to accept it as a narrative and you lose sight of the people that are impacted by it. And this is one of the most um, frustrating films I've seen in a long time because it was just, it, I was fucking pissed by the time this was over. And um, I thank you for nailing that balance. And I just wanted to start out with that compliment and ask about your approach to this and keeping in the humanity the whole time here, because I think you really had that at the forethought of this project. Thank you for saying that. Um, Yeah, the humanity. I mean, that is that is a that was a key word for us at the beginning. Um, We knew that uh, we knew that we didn't want to make. An issue based documentary or documentary series. We didn't want to come in the front door saying this is about MMIW and here are the stats that will back up what we're trying to say. We knew that we needed to tell it with a human face. Um, and the families that we ended up filming with were extraordinarily eloquent um, about what they had been through and, and the frustrations that they had dealt with. So, um, you know, we focused in on Bighorn County, Montana for a couple of different reasons. One, it has a very high um, concentration of MMIW cases, unfortunately. Um, so there were uh, a lot of cases in a very small geographical area um, for us to look at that involved some of the key players, some sort of specific law enforcement agencies um, that were involved in all of them. Um, but it was the families themselves uh, and the fact that through the advocacy um, and activism that they were doing on behalf of their sisters or daughters who were missing um, or or who were killed. These are the families that put this issue on the map. Uh, It was always a conversation within the native communities, but it wasn't until these particular cases um, happened that uh, they started to get national attention. And so we were able to not only tell the story of these particular women and what they uh, had gone through, but we were able to tell the story of MMIW uh, as it grew um, and sort of took its place on the national stage. And yeah. could you talk a little bit about that as well for Rizal, as far as putting this together in that way and keeping that these this human side front and center for you? Yeah, and I, I just want to first off apologize. I'm feeling under the weather. So, oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, <clears throat> so when Matthew and I first approached this, I we were coming at it at two different from two different places uh, with my own lived experience as like a young brown native woman and his experience <laughs> as a white man. As a white, um, as a white dude. <laughs> we we were actually able to provide broader perspective. Not only were we able to tailor the series towards um, broad, wide audiences, but I was able to add my own experience and my own direction to ensure that it was specific and niche enough for my own community to watch and to show the the beauty that often gets overlooked in series like this. And so when we when we were doing this series, um, it was important for us um, and the families to work together as well, because I knew this would be a major platform for any of these folks to have an opportunity to um, speak their truth. So we wanted to ensure that there was always that, you know, wide open option for them to tell us whatever they felt most comfortable with. And they didn't have to share us share with us stuff that they didn't want to share with us as well. So um, because we're, you know, I'm native and these folks, you know, we're, we're native, there's certain cultural appropriateness that you can enter uh, within communities. And that was sort of the foundation that we built our trust upon. And it was really the building of trust and these families knowing that we weren't just going in there to, you know, swindle a big story out of them for to get the most likes. You know, we were seeking truth and and for justice mainly. So this is what you get. That's one of the things that I think makes this such a compelling film is that you tell three stories that are very similar, but the outcomes and the interpretation of them, while they have these similar ideas, these women that are dying essentially of what's called hypothermia, but how did they get there? How did they end up in this situation is unique to each one of them. And you show it from all these different sides. And it's this thing that's kind of, con it's like a snake eating its own tail, where it's just circling back around the same area over and over again. And you just see these little differences between each one and you react to it slightly different based on that. But you see the whole picture, I think in such a profound way because of the similarities there. And I, I think that you don't, rightfully so you don't seem to take as much of a opinion about which one of these are is the accurate telling of the story you're just reflecting what each one of these individuals feel is this there's at times where you're looking at the corner and you're thinking that sounds right and there's other times you're saying well how do you not see this um you know and it's just i feel like there's very little judgment on behalf of the film is from my perspective is that something that you were thinking about in the execution of this well, I think that when you're doing something like this, there's really no space um, for judgment when you're actually interviewing. You're just wanting to get to the, the root of the story of what they know and details and, you know, what they saw with their own eyes, their facts, you know. And so when it comes when it comes down to it through editing it's uh it gets starts to get a little more complex and i think i'll let matthew speak more about that 
Um, you're right. I mean, we we went out of our way to not judge. We we wanted a 360 degree view of this area, this issue. Um, we wanted desperately to have the Bighorn County Sheriff's Office participate in the documentary. Um, they declined, you know, many, many, many times. We were able to get the undersheriff, the ex-undersheriff um, of Bighorn County um, to sit for an interview. But, you know, that also, without judgment, we gave him the platform. He said what was on his mind um, and, uh, you know, communicated his views on the Native community in that area. Great. When I, I, you know, we we think it's a valuable perspective to put into the, um, to the series, if if only just to show people outside of this community, like what this is, the, this is the viewpoint. This seems to be a a um, a representative viewpoint of a lot of non-native law enforcement in the area. So, yeah, we don't, you know, we try never to judge. We just try to tell the story as we find it. You know, when you when we put in. Eric Winburn's comments, I mean, all that does is contextualize the biases that we're up against constantly, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's uh, within the medical field, if you go to the hospital, you know, um, yeah. within government agencies. So, yeah. Well, I think of the way that you shot the corner um where you're at this low angle and it has this really impressive light coming through there and it's just a really beautifully composed shot and this is clearly an authority figure that you hear and then that is put into a perspective with a couple of newspaper clippings after that where you see this opinion uh being reiterated multiple 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 times and you just see it and it's just this thing that just i think that it um for somebody from an outsider's perspective who would hear that authoritative voice and say, oh, well, that's clearly the answer here. And then to say, well, let's look at this from a 30,000 foot view and see what's happening. And I think that's just that simple little touch right there was so powerful for me. And that was one of those things that I think was really um, helpful and what makes this a film that is necessary to watch. Well, I have to give a shout out to Jeff Hutchins, our DP, who was uh, also part of figuring out, you know, the best way to shoot Dr. Robert Kurtzman. <laughs> well, it's it's and there's moments in here where I think you touched on this before the I, the moments of grace and beauty that you do allow to fall in where some of these women when they're driving and the the way the sun is hitting them, it can be such a cold, bleak area that you're shooting in but then you have this moment these moments of light and joy and levity that they have still where there's such warmth and compassion in these people and i think that that's this isn't misery porn there is something that is just it does feel like you're really trying to capture the full picture of their of these people through this specific lens yeah and um, there is a lot of beauty and it, it it is there are a lot of there's a lot of beauty within the people that we filmed with these families i mean it, it is um it can be a bleak place but it's also you know it, it it also is beautiful and one of the things that i found you know going into this project i did probably uh in a certain respect think it was going to be misery um that it's you know it is one of the saddest things i've ever seen but it's all it was also you know that area and the people that I met, some of the most beautiful and the culture within the native community is so beautiful. And that is definitely something and Rizal can speak more to that. It's definitely something we want, we wanted and needed to include in this series um, because it is, it, 
for me, like it wouldn't have been a complete picture had we not included a lot of that because it is, um, it is such a rich and colorful and beautiful culture. Yeah. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. I'm joined today by my son, Jacob. Jacob, say hello to people. Oh, there you go. You're already on it. So, Jacob, when you go to Bookman's, what is it that you like to look at? What do you like to get? To get toys uh, and movies and and the coffee news. You like to look at the movies and you like to get the coffee news, the newspaper they have out front? That's great. So, last time we went into Bookman's, I picked up a movie. Um, What movie did I get, Jacob? A stick from New York, but that's the name as it hurts of the... uh, X... Uh, as to cover. Sorry, sorry. I so, no, no, you're okay. Would you talk a little bit about what you see on the cover of Escape from New York on this Blu-ray that I got? So, based on this cover, you see glass shattered and also the Statue of Liberty's face fell apart. Because in this movie, Escape from New York, is the introduction is a man trying to save the president's daughter in New York's turns into a prison in this movie and there's the hero as you can see very strong in fact oh yeah now this is one of my favorite movies i love this movie now you're too young to watch it because you're only six years old but do you think in a couple years from now when you get a little bit older you'll want to check out escape from new york yes okay what's a movie that you've seen that we picked up at bookman's that you like come here talk so that people can hear you a little shop of horrors little shop of horrors that's a great movie so when you're going to Bookman's, you can get movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4K, Laserdisc, VHS. You can also get comic books, books, newspapers, magazines, home furnishings. Um, you can get tons of stuff there. Because remember, Bookman's has your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yay, that was a good idea. And, um, Erzell, could you talk a little bit about... Um, just the structure of this of doing this as a three-part and i kind of am torn in a way where i feel like this is something that was very difficult to watch and i couldn't imagine keeping myself in this headspace for years thinking about this all the time watching spending three hours in this was difficult enough um Mm -hmm. but i feel like i need to spend more time in this it's just turning a blind eye to this issue cannot be helpful but i'm i'm wondering if that's a part of this that you want this to feel more lived in and be you want people to watch this once a week and live in this world for a little while or is that instead of doing this it's just like an hour and a half kind of quick shot well i mean we screen the whole series all at once at sundance, at sundance yeah and we found it to you know uh, some people, I'm sure because Sundance is so quick, uh, such a quick paced place that some folks would leave after certain episodes. And it really got me wondering and thinking about how, um, yeah, this is a really rich and intense doc to sit through for two and a half hours. And had we done this just as one film, it wouldn't have allowed us to be able to segue from theme to theme in the way that we did so. Um, 
What is sorry? <laughs> it's the it's the typing oh, okay. notifications. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm quitting it. So <laughs> when you when you um orient the series with episodes, you're able to, you know, tackle a certain subject within within each episode, and then you're able to segue, right? Um I think it allows people to breathe. It allows people to settle and sit with what they just watch and then continue on at their own pace. We do have to be mindful of the audience and people that do have experience with these traumas um, that we're not just bombarding people with with this kind of intensity because then it um, you're leaving a whole group of people out who, you know, maybe the people who stand up and and help change things, you know? So, um, yeah, to for me, it was always natural to do this as a series and not as just like one film. I think it's like a one and done type thing. You watch it and then forget about it. But then through episodes, you're able to keep going and revisit and go deeper and deeper. Yeah. That's well, I, I that's how I saw the Cosby documentary. I think Showtime now is apparently you're using Sundance is to have these really long form documentaries that you would normally not. That's sit a down four. And that's four hours, right? Yeah, that, and that's a, a lot to take in in that one shot, and that's how I did it last year. And it's just this. I, it's not for everybody, for sure, to sit down with that because there are much like with this where you there's these themes that I think you need to wrestle with for a little while. There's. Um, for you know, just a, a white guy, I, I need to sit down and think about some of these, the historical context of this, and be uncomfortable. I need to feel uncomfortable in my own skin for a little while while I'm watching this and not just allow it to wash over and forget about it. Because there's a huge part of my history, there's a huge part of my world I exist in now that is built on the back of this and I need to reckon with that and just I need to feel uncomfortable and I hate that we're at this point politically where people like me are fighting against that and anything that makes them uncomfortable they're literally passing laws to say you can't make kids feel uncomfortable about their own past now and I I just think like this uh, films like this are a call to arms to me about that yeah thank you thank you and then uh could you talk about a little bit about that Matthew just um the idea of the importance of something like that of an outsider's perspective on stories like this and the ownership that we have to take in these stories sure. um i mean this is uh this is like my continuing education of the country that i actually live in uh that um whose history uh i didn't know fully um and it's not the history that they teach me or taught me in the suburbs um when i was growing up and so um, you know, it is, whereas I was touching on earlier is that we came at this subject from two totally different points of view. I'm a non-native white man and Rizal is a native woman. Um, and both of our perspectives, um, I think is what made this a really successful collaboration. Um, it was being able to respect both aspects of it and also not you know, sort of owning my white ignorance, like I, I and and engineering, uh, partially engineering the series to appeal to non-natives like me. Like if if I felt something, and that was a part of the story that I was attracted to, I have to 
think that it's going to be uh, important and emotionally resonant for other non-native audiences as well. And so, um, you know, we knew that we wanted this to reach um, as wide an, off, uh, an audience as possible. And so that is an important element of it. The non-native audience is important in that regard. Um, you know, then we knew that people within the native community would know about this project. We did not know that people outside of the native community would know about this project. And uh, yeah, that uh, it's striking that balance that can't be easy where there's a lot of times when there's something that I know a lot about, um, you know, if I'm watching a film that's about the history of X, you know, whatever that subject happens to be, and I go into it with somewhat educated mindset that it becomes a little bit, okay, let's just get up to speed. Let's get to the part where I'm seeing something that I don't know already. Um, Rizal, how much of this is, I'm assuming because this is such a human story, there's a lot of the elements of this that the community already knows about that they are well aware of this issue that's so prevalent but that you're just telling a story that they connect with and they probably feel a sense of representation. I don't know. What is that like for them? Um, well, I think that a lot of what we did was for the first time, you actually hear these stories, the truth from these family members, just, you know, be said, you know, um, I think that's just important for a lot of our own communities is that we're allowed to share whatever it is that we want to share and it's going to be valid. So you're, when you're, I think a lot of it has to do with presentation. Like these families are speaking with the Montana coroner. These families are speaking on the same screen as law enforcement. And, and ultimately we're just trying to figure out what happened to these girls, you know, I think that when you're presented, uh, when you're presenting families in this light and you're giving them room to speak, um, that does wonders for our community. And it's like, yes, this is what we've been saying this whole time. And or, yes, we know that, you know, just because our own people know that boarding schools contributed to like a lot of the conditions that we live in today. Um I think that the thing, the stuff with jurisdiction and like the, the specificity of like, of the laws regarding like how someone goes missing or why someone goes missing. And it's, you know, there's no search party. I think those are important things that our people may not completely understand, but it's broken down in a way so that everybody can understand. So you know, stuff like that, I think, just being able to to see these families be given space to to speak is does a lot, you know uh, absolutely, absolutely. and i I know that we're running out of time here, and I just this is something that I highly recommend that everybody watches this. This is something that is um it. I don't want to say that it's important because then it feels like homework because this is something that doesn't feel like homework. It feels like something that for having watched this, I'm a more informed person that I have a more, you know, uh, 
I have a better worldview. I'm so I live in Tucson, Arizona. I live in one of those, you know, one of those states that has a large native community. And yet it is a separate world from where I live, despite having a wife who is youth. It is literally, it is, those worlds are not connected here. And that's just something that I need more exposure to. And I need, um, yeah, it's just, we need films like this. So thank you for doing this project. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having us. And, yeah. and, time and if anybody listening to this um i watched slasher as a uh, part of my homework and if you're going i rewatched that just as an excuse and if anybody wants the most inappropriate double feature murder and bighorn the slasher does not work but it was it was fun to watch it was it's good to spend time in both those worlds you meaning you had seen it earlier in your life and you yeah, just rewatched yeah, 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 it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big John Landis fan. So, yeah, that's something that I watched that on IFC, what, like 20 years ago or something like that? So, yeah. That, that, was, that was 2003, I think. We okay, there you so go. Exactly. So, yeah. But that's a hell of a double feature if anybody's up for it. So. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Thank Bye you. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
voice crack.